0: All right. Hello again. I hope you enjoyed that time of praise and worship. Connor and the band, the Hallelujahs, always do a great job. So I'm glad we could worship with them this morning. As you can tell, I'm not Pastor Mark. And you're probably also asking, has he lost his mind? Possibly. All right. But real quick, hey, this week, Michelle and I will be celebrating our 10 year anniversary, 10 years. Like for some of you, you're thinking only 10 years. That's nothing. Uh, Just wait till you get to 40 like us understand. But for us, 10 years, long time, right? A long time ago, 10 years. And luckily we got married on a year that ends in zero, 2010, because that makes it easy for me to do the math to remember how many years I've been married. All right. I don't have to try to keep it track and say, Oh, 10, marry, subtract. Okay. We've been married 10 years. Awesome. 10 years of marriage. So this surfboard here was at our wedding 10 years ago. 10 years. We had people sign this surfboard at our wedding uh, and write little notes to us as they were at the reception after the wedding there. What's strange is we got married in Memphis, Tennessee, which is hundreds of miles away from the Gulf of Mexico. Nowhere close to the Gulf of Mexico, nowhere close to any surfing, but we had a beach themed wedding. A beach themed wedding in Memphis, Tennessee, surfboard and all. Don't know how we pulled it off, but we did. Props to Michelle. She's the one who made it happen. All right. We had people sign this, and it sits in the corner in our house, it sits in the corner of our bedroom in our house. So anytime I'm over by the dresser and I see it instantly, I'm reminded of that day 10 years ago, and I see some of the notes that were written on here, notes from, from friends that were at the wedding. I was a youth and children's pastor at the time in Olive Branch, Mississippi, to, to see notes from some of the, our youth, uh, youth, from some of our kids that were in the kids program, and to see notes from some of our family on there is an amazing thing. It instantly brings back memories from that day. And reading some of these from family, family that have since passed away. In 10 years special notes reading through that this in our in our room i can see and always remember that day and remember people that were there that day as you also have probably noticed sitting on my shoulder for a little while i had this here lovely shirt yes it is a money shirt and no it does not fit me anymore Close, close. I might, I might just wear this to church one Sunday morning. I should have worn it to preach today. It would have been a little tight, a little snug, but a money shirt. I was wearing this shirt on April the 20th of 2008, 2008, two years before Michelle and I were married, April 20th, 2008. If you asked me what shirt I was wearing any other day that year, I would not be able to tell you. No clue. If I were to ask you, hey, tell me what shirt you were wearing any day in 2008, the majority of you will have no clue what shirt you were wearing, wearing 12 years ago on a random day. But I know this day, because I was wearing this shirt on that day, because that day was the very, very first time that I ever saw and spoke to Michelle. Michelle. The very first time, 12 years ago, I was wearing this shirt. Came out of the back of my dorm at college and saw Michelle there. And we spoke and we talked. We talked again a few days later. Eventually exchanged numbers. Texted back and forth on my little Nokia phone that just played Snake. Couldn't do really anything else. Texted her back and forth. Talked through Facebook. Eventually went on a date. Got married. Now, 10 years later, three kids living in Washington. This shirt... Reminds me of that day. Every time I see it, I can think about that day and think, number one, what was I thinking? <laughs> wearing the, I was wearing this shirt with blue plaid shorts and black and white checkered vans. I have on vans. Look. Oh, man. I have on these vans today. I was wearing that with blue checkered shorts when she saw me for the first time. And for some reason she chose to speak to me again after that. So either Michelle has no sense of fashion whatsoever, or this shirt is extremely lucky and magical, and I will rent it out to any single guy in the church for the small fee of $25.99 per night. You want it? You can have it. But either way, when I see both of these things, I think, of Michelle. I think of our wedding day. I think of the very first time I ever laid eyes on Michelle. And for some reason, she spoke to me. And for some reason, two years after that, got married to me in Memphis. And now 10 years later, here we are. It's funny how items can jog and refresh our memories about what what happened. Looking at pictures, looking at items, looking at Places you haven't seen in a long time, and you drive by and you see it and your memories refreshed about what happened that day. Well, today we're gonna read about a time where God had his people do that exact thing. No, not, not wear a money shirt and sign a surfboard. They didn't they didn't do that in the Bible, but they set up a memorial showing who God is, what God had done, so they could look back on it years to come and remember. So their kids and their grandkids could see the memorial, remember that day what happened. Remember the greatness and the faithfulness of God and what God did on that day. So we'll be in Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to read through this whole chapter together at one time here, one big, long stretch of 24 verses. So hang in there with me, but I think we'll benefit uh, from reading it all at one time. Together. So here we go, Joshua chapter 4. After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua Choose 12 men from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe. And said to them, go across to the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone unto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did just as Joshua had commanded them. The 12 men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. These stones are still there today. The priest carrying the ark continued standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people in keeping with all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people hurried across and after everyone had finished crossing, the priests of the ark of the Lord crossed in the sight of the people. The Reubenites, the Gadites, the half tribe of Manasseh went in battle formation in front of the Israelites as Moses had instructed them. About 40,000 equipped for war, crossed to the plains of Jericho in the Lord's presence. On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they revered him throughout his life, as they also had revered Moses. The Lord told Joshua, Command the priest who carry the Ark of the Testimony to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up from the Jordan. When the priest carrying the Ark of the Lord's covenant came up from the middle of the Jordan, and their feet stepped on solid ground, the water of the Jordan resumed its course, flowing over all the banks as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones that had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones, you should tell your children. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you. Until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, so that you may always fear the Lord your God. As we read this chapter, as we've read this chapter together, I know it was long. Hopefully, you hung in with me there. So we read this chapter together, the account of God's people building a memorial after crossing the Jordan into the promised land, and we look back at the history of the Israelites and how they got here in the first place, what we can see first is the forgetfulness of God's people. We can see the forgetfulness of God's people. We are extremely forgetful people. For me, one of the things that I struggle with the most, one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy that I cannot remember is whether or not I closed the garage door. I cannot keep track of the fact of whether or not I closed the garage door. It sounds crazy, but my inability to remember that one simple thing has caused me hours and hours Hours and miles and miles of driving of just stress and worry. It's so simple to remember. But I've lived in my lifetime 10 different places. And this is the very first time I've ever had a garage door to worry about. And I'm thankful for that. I am thankful because this thing is driving me crazy. I've been all the way to Woodland before and had to turn around and come all the way back to Ridgefield just because I could not remember if I closed the garage door or not. i got to go back. I can't leave and be gone for an hour or two hours and not know if my garage door is closed. So I've started now not parking in the garage. I just do not. I'm going to park outside of the garage. That way I never have to open or close the garage door, and that way I will not have to worry about whether or not I closed it or not. So I've started using the front door. Well, now guess what happens? I get down the road and I cannot remember if I locked the front door or not. So then I have to turn around and come back and check the front because I can't leave and leave my doors unlocked, right? Even though Ridgefield is safe, that's just inside of me from where I grew up, I can't go and have my doors unlocked. I can't go and have my garage door open. I've got to go back and I've got to check. It's crazy the things that for some reason we cannot Remember, we are forgetful people. For some of us, we struggle to keep up with our car keys, right? Are you one of those people? Do you struggle to keep up with your car keys? So maybe you've put a little chip on them and you put an app on your phone. So now if you lose your keys, you can go to your phone and and check. And it tells you, hey, where your keys are. Your keys will start beeping. You can go find them underneath the couch or I don't know. If you have kids, maybe they're in the toilet. I don't know. Wherever your keys may be, you can find them. The problem is you lose your keys and then you can't find your phone. And now you're okay, now what do I do? So I log onto my laptop and say, okay, I'm on the laptop. I'm going to go in the find my phone feature and I'm going to find where my phone is. But then you can't remember the password to the find my phone feature. And now you're just stuck, right? So we have trouble remembering. We are incredibly forgetful people. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe you're just like, dude, Tully, no, I don't forget those things. I do. It's the small things that seem to, I just forget all the time. Well, in the Bible, the Israelites were a prime example of forgetfulness. We can look back in the book of Exodus, Exodus, second book of the Bible, and we can see God's great acts of judgment against Egypt. But as soon as God delivered His people from Egypt, they were doubting His goodness at the edge of the Red Sea. And after he parted the waters of the sea and they walked across on dry gown, they were complaining about the water and the food that God was providing and they were stuck in the wilderness and their forgetfulness got to the point where they made and worship idols instead of God. And Moses warned them in Deuteronomy, the book right before Joshua, where we are today, the book right before Deuteronomy 4:9 says, be on your guard. Diligently watch yourself so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen, so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. This is a warning against the kind of forgetfulness that characterized the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. They had experienced God's great deliverance from Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea. They experienced God's provision for them from manna and water from a rock. Yet when they heard the report of spies... And the spies came back and said, hey, there are giants in that land. We, we just, we can't do it. They forgot all they had seen. They forgot all that God had done. They had forgotten all they had experienced before. And in their distress and their fear, they forgot God. And now here they are again. Again, at the Jordan River right here in chapter three. Right before we are, chapter 3, they're at the edge of the Jordan River, getting ready to enter the promised land. The river's at flood stage. I mean, it is overflowing its banks. There's no way they can cross it on their own. But God has promised Joshua, back in chapter 1, after Moses has died, God said, Joshua, I'll be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I am with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Don't forget, Joshua, I parted the waters so Moses could walk across on dry ground. I can part the waters of the Jordan as well. God knew the tendency of his people. God knew that his people and our default mode is just to forget. We forget birthdays, we forget anniversaries, we forget promises, and we often forget God. It's easy to criticize the faithful or the faithless forgetfulness of the Israelites, but we're just as human as they were. We study our Bibles, we pray to and worship God, but when we leave our knees in prayer, we close our Bibles to go to work, we're faced with a difficult battle. The battle of remembering. The Israelites forgot God initially because they were distracted by the needs of their time. They were focused so much on the issues of the present that they neglected the foundational truths of the past. They disobeyed the commandments intended for their health and their protection, and they forgot God. Thus, when the idols of the people offered quick solutions to their needs, the Israelites, who had forgotten God carelessly in the beginning, were now way too ready to forget him deliberately. They were willing to set aside the God who had saved them because the gods of the peoples seemed ready, willing, and able to help. Forgetfulness Cast aside everything we've seen God do. What we've learned about Him, the spiritual knowledge we've gained over the years, it exchanges God's ways for our own ways. The problem with forgetting God and the gospel is just like the Israelites, we put something else in their place. When we neglect God's role in our life, we fill His spot with something else, an idol. When we set aside the truth of God's word, some other opinion or competing belief will take its place. Forgetting leads to sinning because it leads to false beliefs, false hopes, false idols, and false promises. Having forgotten God's goodness and sin's bitter bite, we wander towards the same traps we vowed to avoid. I'm not different. I am no different. God teaches me something in the morning and I've dismissed it by the afternoon. God answers a direct prayer that boosts my faith in him. And one week later, I'm doubting if God even hears me or answers my prayers. What I'm thankful for one month, I'm grumbling about the next month. Whether it's done willfully or in ignorance, forgetting God forgoes wisdom and sets aside knowledge. The result is we we have to learn it again. Don't you want to save yourself a lot of time, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration? Remembering rather than forgetting not only honors God, but it's also doing yourself a favor. It's similar to listening to the morning news are checking the traffic, maybe on your phone, getting ready for work. You got to drive into the city. So you're up in the morning, you're getting dressed and you check traffic and you see, oh man, there is a traffic jam for miles. Like it is at a dead standstill on highway five. I I cannot go that way. I got to go. I got to go around it. I got to go a different way. And you get in your car and you drive and you just completely ignore it. And you go right into the traffic. You get caught up in other things and neglect the warning that's been given to you and you wind up stuck in a line of cars crawling along slowly and slowly. And now you're wanting to pull your hair out and you're asking God to perform a miracle like he just did and kind of part the waters so that you can drive right on through, right? Forgetting is costly, but remembering pays off. So how can we remember? How do we work on not forgetting, right? Because it's our natural tendency to forget things. How do we do that? Number one, we can memorize scripture, right? Memorizing scripture drives God's word deep in our heart. It's a powerful weapon against our own forgetfulness, giving us the ability to remember what the Bible says when the Bible is not in our hands. Wait, wait, wait. Tully. Really? You're telling me in order to not forget, I need to remember? Yes. I'm telling you in order to not forget, you need to remember. But what you need to remember is the word of God. Is it easy? No. I was a theater minor in college and I would memorize Lines after lines after lines for play after play after play. And I had no trouble with it at all. But now I feel like I can't remember. Like I will learn a verse and then within a week I go to recall it in my mind. I'm getting the words all jumbled up. But then I got to remember that in theater, as soon as the play was over, I would do like a mental dump of all the lyrics and not remember any, all, the, all the lines and not remember any of the lines anymore after the play was over. And sometimes I feel like I do that with Scripture where I'm not using it constantly, when I'm not recalling it in my mind constantly. My mind just kind of dumps it away. And What I've started doing is maybe something you can do as well. Take note cards and just write Scripture on it. Keep it in your back pocket or in your backpack or in your purse. And throughout the day when you have a moment, pull it out and read over them. Jog your memory. Memorize Scripture. Not easy, but in times of trials, we can hide in the promises of the steadfast love. In times of temptation, we could run to His saving grace. In times of doubt, the reassurance of His power is only a memorial way when we have the Scripture hidden in our heart and our minds. For most of us, it's going to be difficult. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, but the confidence and help it brings in time of need makes it all worth it. Another way to not forget is to journal. And I really struggle with this. I'm not a a writer. I'm not a journaler. Is that even a word? I don't know. A journaler. I'm not a journaler. Um, But journaling serves two purposes. It helps you to remember we take time to write out thoughts on what we are reading. We're actively engaging with the word of Scripture. We can see what God was teaching us weeks before, months before, years before. We can see how God answered our prayers weeks before, months before, years before, and go back and remember God's faithfulness. We will always fight against forgetfulness, just like the children of Israel. We're literally fighting against our own nature. We need to be intentional with our efforts to meditate on His Word so that we can remember it. And most of all, we need the grace of God to help us fight against our human tendencies. We'll fail We'll still forget His mercies and definitely fall into sin over and over and over. However, God never forgets His mercy towards us. For every failure, He gives us more grace. For every stumbling step, He remembers that we are just dust. We are forgetful, but we belong to the God of the ages who always remembers us. Not only are we just very forgetful, people. And we just see the forgetfulness of God's people as we look at the chapters and the books leading up to chapter four. But we can also see the faithfulness of God. So we see the forgetfulness of God's people, but now we see the faithfulness of God. We can see his faithfulness in the past. This past week was the 40-year anniversary of the eruption of Mount St. Helens. 40-year anniversary. I was not alive 40 years ago. I was born in 1983, so close. I was not alive 40 years ago. And all of my family that were living at the time is, were in Mississippi, so I was far away. My family was far away from Washington. But many of you may have been alive then. Many of you may have been living in this area, and you remember what that day was like. You remember what it sounded like, what the sky looked like. What it smelled like outside, even though it was 40 years ago, you can remember it like it was yesterday. I don't think it was a coincidence that the crossing into the promised land happened 40 years to the day from the time of the first Passover began in Egypt. We can look in Exodus chapter 12 and see that 40 years, 40 years from when God would bring deliverance for his people from the land of Pharaoh, They would begin to make their way towards the promised land. And as you know, that journey took them 40 years, not because their GPS was broken, not because Syria was giving them bad directions, but because of their doubt. And because of that doubt, they spent year after year wandering in the wilderness. But God was still with them. Even through that time, their past is filled, even in the middle of their forgetfulness and their doubt, filled with God's faithfulness. Their trials that God's people faced while wandering through the wilderness, were intended to teach them lessons about God. Their garments did not wear out. Their feet did not swell. They ate manna from heaven. The provision of food in the wilderness is echoed even in the Lord's prayer. Hey, give us this day our daily bread. This pattern of receiving daily bread was intended to instill in the people of God the truth. As it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, man does not live on bread alone, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Like I said earlier, we are forgetful people. We forget all the times that God answers prayers. We forget all the stories in the Bible. We forget all the times we prayed for safety and the Lord answered. We forget all the times that we came to God with our sin and He washed over us, cleansing us, giving us grace. We forget all the times we were fearful and He brought us through. We forget all the times we were anxious and He delivered us. Too easily we forget the goodness of God. Too easily we forget the goodness of God. But if we look to the past, we can see that just just like with Israel, despite our unfaithfulness, despite our forgetfulness, despite our doubt, God has always been faithful to us. Israel's past was a testament to the faithfulness of God and our past as well is a testament to His faithfulness. Looking to God's faithfulness in the past then, now helps us grant peace in the present. Looking to God's faithfulness in the past helps grant peace in the present. The Israelites here, as forgetful as they were, we see right here in chapter three and chapter four, we're reading God, they could trust that God would bring them through on dry ground as he promised he would because he had already done it once 40 years before at the Red Sea. But often in our lives, the present, looks worse than it really is. The present often looks worse than it really is. Often we can be blinded by the difficulty that is right in front of us, but know that God is with you now, just like He was then. God is with you now in the present, just like He was in your past. God is with them here at the Jordan River, just like He was with them at the Red Sea. The same God that was with you in your struggle yesterday, And the day before that, and the day before that, and last week, and last month, and five years ago, is with you now here in the present. He is faithful, and you can trust Him. He is always, always trustworthy. He can lead you across the river that's right in front of you, because He led you through the sea in your past. He can lead you through the struggles right in front of you, because He led you through the mountain of struggles in your past. He is with you now, just like he was with you in the past. And If he was with you then, and he is with you now, guess what? He'll be with you in the future. Not only does looking at God's faithfulness in the past grant us peace for the present, but it offers hope in the future. Look back with me at verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, The Reubenites... The Gadites and half-tribe of Manasseh went in battle formation in front of the Israelites as Moses had instructed them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed to the plains of Jericho in the Lord's presence. You see, after crossing the Jordan, the Israelites came up ready for war. Ready for whatever was ahead of them. You see, the first time they were set to enter the promised land, the first time, years before, their fear of the people that were there, those giants and their doubt and the faithfulness and power of God kept them out of the land. But now, now their faith in God, their courage was in God, their faith was in God, their fears were fading away. And now as they were crossing into this land of giants, they were ready for whatever was ahead because they knew that the God who parted the sea The God who sustained them in the wilderness, the God who was just presently with them and halted the waters they walked across, was with them then, was with them now, will be with them in the future. So bring it on. Jericho may be ahead of us, but God is with us. We're ready for war. For us, it's a little different, right? You see, our past was their future. Think about that. Our past was their future. In our past, we can see Jesus. We see his 12 followers. We see, as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, that Jesus is a living stone, a living stone. And in him, we are all living stones. In our past, we don't have a pile of rocks. We have one huge rock that's been rolled away. In our past, we don't have a stock, stack of rocks. We have an empty tomb. You see, in our present, not only do we have a river-stopping God, we have a Holy Spirit living and breathing inside of us. We don't just have a monument of stones. We are living stones and living monuments of God's faithfulness. In our future, we don't have Jericho. We have a mighty judge, a victorious king who has defeated sin, defeated death, and is coming back again. At the same name, in His name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Just like our past and our present, our future is filled with a merciful, loving, victorious judge and king. And his name is Jesus Christ. Your present can have peace. Your future can have hope because your past can be redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. God is faithful always always and forever. Let's look at one more thing, and that's the fruitfulness of remembering. Forgetfulness of God's people, faithfulness of God, and the fruitfulness of remembering. Read verses 21 and 24 again. In the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's mighty hand is there, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. We have a missionary purpose. You can see that here. We have a missionary purpose we can see from these verses that our remembering is not just for our sake and for the sake of our faith, but for the sake and faith of future generations, for the sake of our kids and our grandkids. God tells them when your kids and grandkids, when they see this and all the future generations, when they see this monument, this pile of stones that you've put here, these 12 stones, they'll be able to remember what God did at the Jordan River on that day, just like he did at the Red Sea years before. You'll be able to see and tell them how mighty is the Lord's hand. And you and your family will always fear, always have a sense of awe for and respect for the majesty of the Lord your God. Last summer, my family and I were still living in Kansas City, Missouri. Before we knew we'd be moving here, we had planned a family vacation from Kansas City, Missouri, to Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. We're going to go camping. So we drove from Kansas City to Shenandoah, did some camping there for a few days. It was awesome. Saw deer, birds, walked trails, saw a black bear like 100 yards from our tent. It was awesome. All right? Loved it. Then one day we drove into Washington, D.C. and walked around with the kids, let them see the Washington monument. We walked along the reflection pool. We saw the Lincoln Memorial. We walked over to probably Braley, my oldest daughter, probably her favorite part of the entire D.C. area. And that was the monument to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And as you're there, I don't know if you've ever been, but as you're there, they have a big monument of him carved into stone. And along the wall, they have different quotes by him. So we were able to, to walk through and, and see these quotes that were etched into the wall and, and tell my daughter, who had been learning about him in school anyway, in first grade, uh, to show that, hey, this, was, this guy was real. This is things that this guy did to bring about equality for all people. A memorial that was set up there to remember the great things he had done it was an educational tool Teach future generations. What will your children remember most about you? What will they remember mattered the most to you? What will your children remember most from you? Not just about you, but from you. What are you doing to preserve and sustain in the hearts of your children a knowledge of God? I have become greatly, greatly convicted of this recently. Of what I'm teaching my kids and what are they seeing from me during this time of pandemic? Are they seeing more faith in me? Or are they seeing more doubt in me? Are they hearing from me more complaining or more rejoicing? when they look back 40 years from now about what life was like and during quarantine, during the pandemic, will they be able to say, that was a time my family grew close to God. That was a time when my faith grew because I saw, I saw my dad's faith in God. Or will they say that was a time where we couldn't go to school Couldn't go anywhere. We had to stay home and I have no idea where God was. Certainly wasn't talked about in our home. They say that was a time my dad complained a lot, moped a lot, was frustrated a lot and I have no idea where God was. Are you teaching your kids and your grandkids and yourself where God is during all of this? What are you doing to keep them and yourself mindful of God's faithfulness during this time? What kind of memorials are you setting up for future generations to see the faithfulness of God? Or are the memorials you're setting up simply idols? The good news for me, the good news for you so if you've struggled in this area, like I have, there is forgiveness. Just because we may not have pointed to God as much as we should have during this time, that doesn't mean that he hasn't been there. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is right here. He's right where he's always been and right where he will always be. Don't forget him look upon his faithfulness because he is faithful in your past in your present and in your future. See the fruitfulness of remembering in your life and the life of your family. Remember God. Let's pray. To God, I thank you so much for this day despite my, my failures and my forgetting you often. Especially during these days. Especially during this pandemic and this quarantine and trapped in their house, it feels like at times, God. It's easy to forget. God, I pray that you will mold me into the dad and the father you want me to be. you will mold me into a man that's setting up monuments of your faithfulness in my home setting up monuments for my kids to see and to ask about. Say, God, what, Dad, how did this happen? I said, it only happened because of God. That my kids will see more of you in me and less of me in me. I had moments of my doubt that I will bathe myself and just remembering you. Remembering your faithfulness. It's always been there and will always be there. God, I pray for Go Church during this time. That will continue to be a lighthouse and a beacon for you. Here in Ridgefield. That would people still... Struggling, and I know we have ways that we want things to happen, that people are still struggling. So we'll be aware of that. We'll be sensitive to that. We will share your love. God, once again, thank you for not giving up on me and my forgetfulness. Be with us this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.